You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the InsideCarolina.com podcast. It is on the beat, not live tonight. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. With On The Beat Live, of course, I've got Greg Barnes back with me. Greg is, of course, Inside Carolina's beat writer, the best beat writer there is covering in, or covering Carolina sports, period. And tonight we cover a little baseball. Greg, how you doing? Doing good. It's uh, this time of year, right, where we, we turn our attention uh, full force to, to baseball for good reason. Uh, North Carolina's baseball team, yet again, this is this – is, uh, the expectation these days is made a, a charge into, into June and uh, taking the, the full headlines of the, the North Carolina community. So it's, it's always fun. And we've got two great guests tonight, Tommy. Indeed we do. We've got uh, the architect of why this program is what it is today. And one of the players that got it here, uh, former head coach, Mike Fox. Coach Fox, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you guys. Chad Flack is our fourth guest. Chad, uh, you know, I was I was eager to get you on because you're probably one of the legendary players, or if not the legendary player at Carolina um, production-wise. But how you doing, man? Doing good. Thank you all for having me. Looking forward to, to, to the conversation today. And, and like I just told you all before we started, I do not plan. So however it goes, it goes. If, if you all ready to get off, let me know, and we'll, we'll end it. Um, Barnes is the expert. But Coach Fox, let me ask you the first question. How does it sound when somebody says former head coach? <laughs> oh, it's all good. It's all good. Um, it's, a, it's a little different, but, uh, you know, as soon as you announce your retirement, that's, uh, uh, that, you know, that's the, that's the prefix to your, you know, to your name. So it's all, it's all, it's all good. Well, you certainly were involved um, in a big part of this Carolina baseball program for years and years and years. And um, it, it's amazing what you did. And I said, I wasn't going to make it about you, but I do want to talk about you just briefly here to start with. Um, but in the context of this season um, and these past few seasons, um, as that guy that was the head man forever, what is it like to be able to sit back, watch somebody else that you're close with, take over your program and do what Scott Forbes has been able to do in the last couple of years, especially this year? Yeah, it's um, it's 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 hard to describe. It's it's overwhelming. Uh, it's emotional. Probably, uh, it's probably the most excited I I have been in in watching this team win a regional uh, Monday night. It's just uh, again, I, I just get cold chills just kind of talking about it, just watching it. Um, obviously, to say I'm proud of you know, of Coach Forbes and, and the staff and, and these players is, is an understatement. Um, and especially, especially kind of, you know, how they've gotten to this point. You know, every season is a different one, different journey. Uh, but um, so credit to Coach Forbes. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's been fun to watch. It's, a, it's as, as Chad knows, you know, he and I were up on the balcony together. It's, a, it's nerve wracking 
uh, you know, watching, it's just so, so much different uh, as a fan. And that's what I am now is just a fan. It's so much different than when you're in that dugout. Um, um, it's, uh, but it's exciting. Yeah, it's, it's almost like watching your, your kids compete instead of actually competing, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, Scott and I, we have a 20, gosh, 25 year relationship. So, um, you know, as a, as a former player and, and, uh, you know, I, I knew Scott, you know, when he was just a kid, and, you know, before we met Mandy. And, um, so he is, he is, he is, you know, he is like my son in a way. And, um, you know, I love him dearly. And, uh, you know, when you, when you have people like that in your, in your life that, um, that are so important to you and they, they have this kind of success, um, it's just, um, uh it's it's so exciting to watch and I'm, I'm i'm so happy you know for him but obviously you know the players and the team that's the most important thing chad friday is june 10th which is the 16th anniversary of uh your big eighth inning home run that lifted north carolina uh to the the first college world series since 1989 back in 2006 do you like uh champagne every june 10th how does that work uh no but 16 years good lord i guess i was looking on camera here looking at this gray in my beard i, I guess that's 16 years worth right there um between running a business and and dad life i guess this is what gets you but um no i, I mean it's it kind of comes up every year um in different ways whether it's you know social media or or from friends or family that type of deal but uh yeah, I always say, uh, refer to it as, as gory days. <laughs> we we talk a lot about that 2006 season as really the beginning of this incredible run, uh, but really kind of a culmination of all the hard work that kind of led up to that point. Um, what was it about that team uh, that was able to kind of break through and kind of set this, this train in motion that we've seen the past 16 years? Um, in my opinion, the recruiting class before us, you know, was kind of the, the the beginning of that process. When you have Andrew Miller, Daniel Bard, Robert Woodard, you name them, they're they're coming in and kind of setting the stage that that hey, Carolina baseball is is on the rise. And when I was being recruited, that was that was a big piece. I've always loved the University of North Carolina. I love Coach Fox, Coach Holbrook, um, and, and all the guys. Uh, but you could see that the program was just – it was getting there pretty pretty quickly, especially with those recruits that they had come in. But I would say that just between us coming in as freshmen and just building that camaraderie um, together was special. Um, you could just sense it. And, it. and it wasn't just on the field. It was off the field. It was our families. Everybody just kind of got along. And then, you know, getting in, getting that experience of another year, moving into my sophomore year in 06, um, it just started clicking. Um, it's, it, we we figured out how to win, um, how to win close games, um, how to compete. We were all extremely uh, big competitors um, in everything that we did. Um, but that was fun being around. And we didn't care who got the glory or who got the recognition. It was about getting the W at the end of the night. And um, I think, yeah, I think it's a culmination of of all those things, um, you know, with that team and, and, and the teammates that kind of led to that point. And we talk a lot about, about culture and its importance. Um, in every sport, right, there's always a team or two kind of comes out of the blue. And they may have, you know, a core group of players that, for two, maybe three years are fantastic. And then they kind of you know, retreat to the, the mean, if you will. 
so for teams to have consistent success, that's very difficult. And that, that takes a, a program that's built an incredible culture. Mm-hmm. Clearly this program has, and I'm going to ask Mike about this as well, but he mentioned, you know, Scott Forbes has, has been around a long time. So none of what he's doing right now is new to him. Um, what is it about this program's culture? What stands out? What has allowed it to have so much success, you know, regardless of the players that are in place? Um, first of all, it starts with Coach here on the, on the call. Um, it, he he set the tone. Um, he had very high expectations for us on and off the field. Um, he built built that family environment. Um, that we all, you know, thrived in. Um, so just from what he was able to build, and I think everybody fed off of him. And, and you know, with Coach Forbes now, you know, what I experienced with him coming in my sophomore year and having the success that he did, it just – he had that same mentality that Coach did. Um, extremely um, big competitors, uh, want to win, hate to lose. Um, but it was it was being able to command respect at the same time of kind of being um, that guy you could go to if you had something going on in college. Um, we're being, we're 18, 19 year olds, 20 year olds, we're coming into college. We, you know, don't know what to expect. And so being able to juggle those things from coach Fox's seat and now coach Forbes's seat um, is it's crazy to me. I mean, for me to be able to watch that and kind of lead into my life these days with business, I see all the things that you have to juggle to keep everybody moving in the right direction um, because it only takes one little thing here or there to kind of derail that, that, uh, that culture. And so, um, yeah, I, I just think that it's, it's, it's a combination of all those things put together, but it starts at the top. If you don't have it at the top, the rest of the program, um, you know, obviously will fall wayside. Mike, to, to follow on that, what, what did you see in Scott to think that, you know, this is a guy who's been here by my side for so long that he knows exactly what this program is about, and he can step into this role, pretty seamless transition, even though you know, there's always going to be some, some bumps in the road as you get started. Uh, but what did you see from Scott, and what have you seen since he took over that, that makes you proud about kind of his understanding of, of, of what you built? Well, first of all, <clears throat> Chad read – he read right off the notes I sent him. So uh, thanks, thanks for that. Um, yeah, like I said, I've, I've known Scott, you know, for, for a long time. Um, tireless worker, um, incredible attitude, positive energy attitude. Um, and, you know, you're a product of your, uh, of your past. So, you know, Scott went to middle Georgia, you know, as an 18 year old, uh, He'd be the first one to admit, you know, made some mistakes. His father dropped him off in Rocky Mount and said, "You're gonna, you, you know, you're gonna make it here, or you know, you're coming back to work." And you know, to to Scott's credit, um, you know, he wanted to continue to play baseball. And you know, I just watched him work. You know, as a as a 19, 20 year old, and um, he um, big time, big time competitor. Um, held his teammates accountable. Wanted to win. Um, and I saw that in him, you know, as a player. And then, you know, I, I remember to this day, you know, calling him and saying, hey, do you want to come to North Carolina and be the volunteer? I didn't know what a volunteer assistant coach was, you know, until I got to, until I got to Carolina. So uh, I had to explain to him, you know, exactly what the word volunteer uh, meant. Uh, you know, it means no, it means no pay. So um, <laughs> he jumped at it, and thankfully he did. Um, 
and we've been on this journey since that's that's been um that's been pretty remarkable um and you know we've had we've had our ups and downs um you know coach Ford and i we we butted heads you know more than once um um and but out of out of love and you know and and respect and i always what i always appreciate about about Scott is is he he would always tell me the truth. So he would tell me he would tell me when I was wrong. He said, "Coach, you're looking at this the wrong way," and um, and I think that's just a product of our relationship and respect for one another. And I think everybody I think everybody needs that. Everybody needs to you know know thyself. And and Scott knew me, and I knew him. So um, you know, I, I just felt in my in my heart that he was that he was ready. I'm so thankful that he was given the opportunity. Um, you know, nobody's going to out, outwork him. Um, he's got unbelievable faith. Um, and, uh, you know, his, his family, he's got all the support network there. Uh, so I'm just, uh, I'm just thankful he was, you know, he was given the opportunity to be the next head coach at, at Carolina. Yeah, Coach, you talk about um, doing it for free. If somebody does it for free, you know they love it. Um, because we can all do things for money. Um, but for him to start out that way, it shows that passion. Let me ask you about what you said there at the end about having uh, guys on staff that will challenge you um, as the head coach and not being um, yes guys. I mean, we see that in other sports. You've got a bunch of yes guys on the bench. You can tell. Um, you can tell those type teams. There might be a few in the state of North Carolina down the road a little bit, but <laughs> As a head coach, I mean, you hit on it just a little bit. How important okay. is it to have guys that can challenge you to not only help yourself grow, but help your team grow um, in ways that maybe you didn't realize just looking at it from your set of eyes? I mean, well, it's extremely important. And, uh, and, and the older you get, uh, the more important it is. Uh, so, you know, the older you get, you know, the more that separation is, right? The kids stay 18 to 20 you know, 22 and, uh, and things change. And so, you know, I've heard from more than one, you know, from, from more than one coach at Carolina and others, you know, it's, it's your job to get into their, to their world. And so it's helpful to have younger coaches, um, especially that, that, that know these kids in their world, certainly better than you do, especially, you know, as you, as you get older, um, and so I, I appreciated that and, and um, you know, felt like we had, the, you know, the type of communication and the type of coaches meetings that, you know, everybody was free to say, to say what they want. You know, obviously we can agree to disagree in it. And, and, it, and at some point with every head coach, you, you know, you're the one that has to make the decision. But um, I think it's extremely important to have assistant coaches that, you know, you can trust, that but that will speak up. I mean, that's uh, – you know, that's why they're there. And it's, it's not all knowing. It's all of us together trying to get the job done. Yeah, and I think that speaks to the level of success that Carolina baseball has had. Let me ask you about the recruiting aspect. Chad mentioned that that 2005 class, I guess four or five class, was huge. Recruiting in college baseball is probably tougher than any other sport, I think, just simply because guys can go pro straight out of high school. How, you were able to balance it for the most part. Now, there was a struggle a couple of years where you probably lost some guys to the draft that you didn't really expect to lose, but to balance and still have a pitching staff like you had. You had, if my memory serves, you had Harvey, 
Bumgardner and Porcello in the same recruiting class and Harvey's the only one that came. How was managing that? And we're not even talking about in this day and age with everything else they got going on with NIL and all that. But how difficult was that in determining who you recruited, how many you got commit? I mean, I mean how did you do it? And in order to build a successful program that wasn't successful for two or three years, like Greg mentioned, some programs are that's been successful for 20. Well, I mean, we had, you know, it's, uh, it's a challenge. I mean, it's in, in your right. You said it, it's even more of a challenge, you know, now. Um, that's why you're talking to me tonight as the former <laughs> boring coach, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned those three guys. Honestly, we thought we were going to get Rick Purcell. If you'd have told me which one of those three we're going to get, I'm going to get Rick Purcell. So it doesn't always go like you, like you think it's going to go. You know, in 2014, you know, we had, I think we lost six kids. You know, Mitch Keller was, was pick number 64. Um, I know what number he told me, you know, he would sign for and what number he actually signed for. Um, but he's pitching right now in the rotation for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I watch Mitch Keller pitch, you know, every five or six nights. And uh, I'm like, you know what, you probably, probably made the right decision. Um, you know, what makes it challenging is, 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 you know, is the rules, is the 35 roster limit, it's the 11.7, it's the 27 on scholarship. It's, you know, which one of these guys are coming, which of them aren't, um, are you going to be over your limit? Um, that, that was the most stressful, um, you know, for me um, personally as a head coach, because you're the one that has to make all those pieces you know, those pieces fit. So, um, you know, it's uh, the, the NCAA's, you know, not been helpful in that regard um, in terms of when you can contact kids, when you can get in their home. They've, they've, got to, they've got to allow you to talk to these kids earlier. They're making decisions earlier. Um, for, for me, what I loved early in my career was being able to go in, in, in these prospects' homes. Now, that's how you're really going to get to know a young man is, 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 get, is go to them. Like Chad knows, right? Um, couldn't do that now. They're doing it all, you know, on this, like a Zoom meeting or whatever. And I, I didn't like that at all. I want to, I want to look in a kid's eyes. I want to, I want to see how he interacts with his brothers, sisters, his parents. You got such a small window to make a decision. It's, it's not just all about talent. It's, it's what Greg alluded to is that culture. You're trying to figure out, you're trying to figure that out, you know, before they get here, because you just can't throw 35 guys in the locker room and say, okay, all you guys get along, all of you be team guys and not me guys, and here we go. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of prep work, you know, involved, and it's, it's not an exact science. I mean, you're going to miss on, on, you're gonna miss on recruiting. Um, you know, I went to Anson Dorrance like my first probably week on campus, right? I don't know anything about Division One. I've been a Division Three coach. I'm like, well, I got to start figuring this out. Well, it didn't take me very long which coach to go talk to first, right? I'm going to go talk to the most successful coach on our campus. And I remember Anson telling me that his success rate was 60%. And I'm like, so, so hold on, wait a minute. He goes, you know, six out of 10. I'm like, well, yeah, but coach, six out of 10, you know, win national championships for you. <laughs> and he, I said, you know, my, my response was what happens to the other four? And it's, you know, it's grades, it's, it's bad decisions. It's, you know, it's work ethic. It's all those things that don't pan out. I remember walking back across campus really being probably the most depressed I've ever been. I'm like, my gosh, <laughs> North Carolina is only 60%. Like what in the world? But I mean, he was dead on. I mean, 
Um, it just, it's, it's so hard. Um, you just try to do the best you can and trust your assistants, but you know, those guys that are out there on the road and, and uh, you know, we get, we, we got fortunate obviously with Chad's class uh, and, and a few others, but it's a challenge. Chad, I want to want to talk about this this College World Series setup, kind of the NCAA postseason. That's probably a more accurate way of saying it. We're we're looking forward to the College World Series because it's always a fun time of year. But Carolina has some work to do in the meantime. Uh, Scott talked last week uh, about the importance of of his team getting to the postseason last year, and even though they lost in the regional, they they experienced it, and that really kind of let them know what this whole thing was about, and that. That helped them in their late season run, uh, winning the ACC tournament, and then, of course, having the success they've had this past weekend. In 05, uh, when you were a freshman, Carolina goes to Gainesville and the NCAA regionals loses. But how important was just getting that taste to kind of really set the tone for 2006 and then, of course, three College World Series runs? Yeah, it was very important. Um, Being able to feel that atmosphere, um, feel – the excitement that comes with it. Um, you say pressure, but when you're playing, you don't really feel pressure. It's just more adrenaline rush. Um, in the postseason, as you've seen, there's so many ups and downs throughout a game that's different than a regular season. Um, tensions are high. Um, but being able to experience that, it, it, it absolutely set the tone for us in 06. I, I don't think – if we don't experience that in 05 – I don't know what, you know, if, if, if in 06, we would have been able to do what we did. Um, just because in baseball, it's all about the confidence that you have or, um, you know, it's the next at bat, it's the next pitch. And if you're dwelling on what's already happened because you haven't been there and you're worried about the result at the end of the day, you know, it, it's going to be very tough to win those types of games. And so getting that experience under your belt, feeling it, whether it's winning some or losing some, you, you learn a uh, you learn so much from just a few games um, that prepares you for that run. You may be the following season. One of the fun things about Monday night, uh, in addition to North Carolina uh, winning the way that they won, it's pretty much the same time that game's going on. All eyes were on Stillwater uh, with Oklahoma mm-hmm. State uh, and Arkansas. Arkansas, of course, wins, so the Super Regional comes to Chapel Hill. How important – I mean, we know what the records are, right? I mean, Carolina has been dominant at home in the postseason for so long. How important is that home field advantage this time of year? It's huge. Um, having the crowd behind you um, throughout just gives you that extra little bit of boost. Um, obviously, there's no guarantees in this sport. Anybody can beat anybody at any time, no matter where it is. But um, I think you go in with a lot of confidence. Um, a lot of uh, – you're very familiar with the environment. Your, your game day is very similar to what you've known throughout the season. So there's no, there's not many surprises that come along with it. And so a lot of times you can take that good energy from the crowd and, and plow it into, you know, the successful game for, for yourself. But yeah, I think it means a lot to have that home field advantage. Mike, talking about the home field advantage, um, if I had a nickel for every time somebody said, why Virginia Commonwealth is the home team on this? I mean, explain to me why, we play an entire, I asked the same question. <laughs> why do we play an entire season to get a regional seed and then we're leading off the game? I mean, can you make um, some sort of sense of that decision by the NCAA, the way they do it? None whatsoever. <laughs> um, 
I think I think prior to you asking that question, I think I've mentioned the NCA uh, once already. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think all coaches, I think all of us at at one point have asked that question or written a note or a memo or a letter or something. Um, you know, the NCAs, they're going to do all they can to make these regionals, um, you know, fair and equal. Uh, at least, you know, that's their, that's their goal, correct? So, um, you know, thus, you know, at one point we had to change dugouts. Um, so you couldn't even be in your own dugout. And they finally came to their senses and, and changed that a few years ago. Um, so even though you were the visiting team, you could at least stay in your dugout, not have to move everything out and go to the other side of the stadium. Um, I think I think what they forget is that none of them, none of them are fair right out of the gate because one team's playing at home in front of five thousand you know their other fans, so it's it's not going to be fair and equal, um, you know, because they they put these you know events on 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 college campuses. So I don't know the answer to that. I think I do agree. I think it needs to be changed. I think at the end. At the end of the day, if everybody's been equal, the, the higher seeded team needs to be the home team. Mike, you're the you're the former head coach now, so I, I have all these things that I wanted to ask you years ago that I can actually ask you now. So maybe we can do this rapid fire. Uh, a lot of questions by the, the fan base. Yeah, I think just college baseball fans in the ACC footprint in general. Why is the ACC tournament set up the way it is where you've got some games towards the end of the week that, that just don't matter? Um, gosh, I'm going to need more than this podcast because <laughs> I speak freely for all the discussion has been had about that. The head coaches, we had it, you know, for years, if I had a, had a nickel for every minute, we spent at head coaches meetings and on, you know, on calls discussing the format of the ACC tournament. Um, you know, as you well, you well know, we had, you know, we've had about every format, you know, while I was there, um, you know, in Salem, Georgia Tech played three games, you know, in one day. Um, and then, then they won it, uh, you know, got on a bus, went from Salem, Virginia, back to, you know, back to Atlanta and lost their regional, you know, in the first two games. So I, 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 I think that more than anything else told the rest of the coaches that we're, you know, the ACC tournament is important, but we're all playing for the next really the next weekend. Um, you know, the, the goal is to get to the College World Series. So I, I think we I think we came up with this format to not to not play that many games, you know, to, to not play um, certainly three games in one day. That was highly unusual with the weather. But um, um, and, and, and those games, you know, those pod games, um, you know, if you're eliminated like like we, we have been in the past, if you're fighting for a spot or you're fighting to get in, that game does that game that game does matter. It may not matter in the eyes of the tournament champion, but it's it's an it's an important game. I mean, our, our game against NC State, you know, in 2021, uh, that was an extremely important game. Um, so I never personally, as a coach, I never looked at it like that. You know, okay, we can't win the ACC tournament. However. And I think the kids look at it like that as well. Maybe the fans don't, but the coaches and the players look at it like that game against NC State was uh, was 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 important for both teams, but really important for for North Carolina. So I, I personally like I like this format. Just you know, just me. I voted for it, um, um, and, and I think uh, obviously, I guess the coaches in the league now must you know must like it because they're they're sticking with it. When you talk about playing NC State, I asked Scott Forbes last week 
um, about playing NC State, I said, come on now. I, I, I realize every game's different and every game – it's another game, but beating NC State um, is a thing. And you were fairly successful, Mike, doing that. What's it like playing um, – explain that rivalry from the baseball standpoint. We, we, we hear all the time about the, the football State Carolina rivalry, the basketball State Carolina – or uh, Duke Carolina basketball rivalry. What's, what's the rivalry like from your seat – and Chad, I'll ask you the same question. From from y'all see inside the program playing those guys. Chad, you go first. You answer that. You were in it. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, it's a lot of fun. Um, the biggest thing is, is that, you know, both both programs recruit North Carolina kids a lot. Um, I grew up playing against a lot of the guys that I played against when I was in college at Carolina that I was either on travel ball teams with or played against on travel ball or had, you know, were different high schools or, or rival, rival high schools. So being able to go to that game and you're kind of like you were friends with these guys before and kind of going through high school and going through all those, uh, all, all those games, but now you're enemies and you're, you can't stand each other. <laughs> um, uh, there, it, it is, it is a very intense rivalry on the field as much as it is off the field. I mean, I, Obviously, the Carolina Duke in basketball is there, but I think in, in with the baseball, it's just there's connections across the field at every angle. Um, every player has some connections to that program. Both programs probably recruited all the guys at the same time. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think it's more that you know the people across the aisle and you just you, you cross the field and you just want to you just want to beat them <laughs> as badly as possible. All right, coach, you're up on it. You let yeah. him go first. I would I would agree with that. Um, you know, we've had some, we obviously you know had some some tremendous games, you know, with them. And I mean, Elliot and I go, you know, we we go way back, you know, to, to Rocky Mount, to Westland days. Um, and I, you know, our paths, you know, end up, you know, like they did. Um, and I would agree with Chad. Uh, but but even but you know even even without the North Carolina you know connection, I mean, it's still. It's just a great rivalry, and when when both programs were, uh, I think um, you know where they were with with Radon and, and Trey Turner, and 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 man, they've had some they've had some incredible players, and 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 we did as well. I mean, it was it was great talent on the field, and um, and you take that and competitive kids and the rivalry, and it was just fun as a coach just to kind of you know kind of sit back and and watch. Um, you know, great, great memories, um, you know, for, for me and I'm sure Chad and his teammates. And um, I think their program, um, you know, made us better. Uh, and, I, and I hope our program, I think Ellie would probably say our program, you know, made them better. That's, um, you know, that's what good programs do, I think, because you want to be, you know, you want, you want to be good and competitive. Yeah, indeed. I mean, we all saw Carolina and Duke in the Final Four. Um, State and Carolina in the World Series, College World Series, was pretty epic. Uh, just a few short years ago, uh, listening to the InsideCarolina.com podcast, On the Beat, Greg Barnes, Tommy Ashley, Coach Mike Fox, and Chad Flack. Johnny T-Shirt, of course, is our sponsor. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer. And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. Bang! 
The 2024 NBA Finals, presented by YouTube TV, continue on ABC. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, let's switch over to the uh, current situation that we have right now. Arkansas coming to town um, for Super Regional. Carolina will be the home team at, at least once <laughs> and maybe twice if necessary. <laughs> Mike, when you've, you've seen this team play and they – and I talked to Forbes about it. They started 18 and two, and then they quite frankly went in the tank a little bit and then just totally flipped the switch and have been red hot. Um, what do you tell these guys if you're still in that dugout leading up to this series? I mean, they've been on a roll. What do you do to keep them on that roll? Man, you don't talk to them. I mean, you got a team playing this well, um, <laughs> you know, try not to say too much to them at all. Um, you know, that's kind of my philosophy when he, cause he's, you know, you, you've got to be careful, you know, not to, not to state the obvious, you know, right. Um, and, um, you know, don't count, you know, don't, don't count, don't count. We're two wins. Don't say, I'll say it, but they shouldn't say it. We're two wins away. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's, that, that's obvious. You've just got to be in the moment. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, college baseball is crazy. You know, these, these, these kids and coaches, you know, we open up in February and it could be 40 degrees and there's a hundred people in the stands. And, you know, now we'd have 8,000, you know, we'd have 8,000 people there if we had a stadium that, you know, that had 8,000 seats. So to me, that's, that's the thrill of it. It's that these kids that have worked so hard and kind of obscurity a little bit, nobody pays that much attention to college baseball. We lost coach Fox. Chad, get in here and talk about it before he, before we lose everything. I mean, exactly what he was saying. But I, I would, you know, the the extra piece to this is not many teams that have the success that they have going this year that we've had in the past. Doesn't have almost every one of them has good leadership. And I would say, just like Coach Fox said, when things are just rolling right, you got good leaders. You just kind of let the thing. You just kind of let it roll. You prepare them for all the information they need from a scouting report, et cetera but just go out and say, hey, keep playing your game. Chad, how much of that is confidence being contagious? And I mean, is that just completely organic? Is there anything you can do to kind of uh, get the kindling going or is it just kind of happen? I think it just, in baseball, it's such a game of failure. It's, it's one of those things that just has to happen. Um, being able to have your teammates around you and, and when you start seeing them hitting and, and, and making plays, et cetera, it's, it is contagious because it makes you relax a little bit more. Um, I think uh, 
it, it just gives you that confidence when you're going up that you're not the one that has to do it all. Because if I don't do it, my teammate behind me is going to do it. So I think, you know, when you start seeing everybody hitting the ball like they are right now or or pitching like they are right now, I mean, I think it just it, it can it gives everybody confidence um, that no matter what happens or how good or bad day that you have, your teammates are going to pick you up for a win. Coach Fox, uh, you cut out on us there with us. Look, I told you we just wing it and keep rolling. Chad, what do you think about Vance Honeycutt? I mean, <laughs> I, I keep having um, to remember that he's my son's age. That's at Carolina. Yeah. Uh, he, it is amazing to watch. I mean, I followed them all year. I tried to watch them when they're on TV a little bit. And I kept hearing a buzz around him. Um, but when I was in person, I watched, I came to the South Carolina game at, in Charlotte. Um, and then I went uh, this past this past weekend. No, I went to the ACC tournament game, one in Charlotte, and then this past weekend. And just to watch him in person, um, <laughs> Coach Fox and I were kind of joking. Well, somebody came up when we were watching the game the other other day and put their hand on my shoulder. And we're it was like six of us, you know, up in the coach's box area. And, and said, ah, I heard Vance Honeycutt's the, the next uh, Chad Flack. And I turned around and I said, I said, that kid's got about four and a half more tools than I ever had. <laughs> um, and, and, and Coach and I had a good giggle on that one. But it, it is true. I mean, he is – um, you can tell he's just got it. Um, not only just athletic ability and talent, but the way he carries himself with confidence. Um, I've talked to multiple people that talked about what a good kid he is. Um, it just seems it just seems like he's got it all. Um, he's he's fun to watch, and I'm just happy we got another couple of years to watch him too. Yeah, speaking about NC State, um, Elliot Avent was in the press box eating dinner during, I guess, the second Carolina game in Charlotte ACC tournament. And when Vance had that kind of diving catch uh, out in center field, all of a sudden Elliot just kind of burst out and says, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Because it was just an incredible catch. So even, uh, even the rivals, I think, have to appreciate some of the things that he's done. Yep. Coach, we're talking about Vance Honeycutt. Uh, pretty good baseball player. Yeah, he's special. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. We got you. Okay, I figured it out. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, Vance is, uh, he's special. He came to camp um, after his 10th grade year, and um, I watched him in camp, and, you know, he wasn't anywhere near the size he is now. And, of course, his dad, Bobby, played at, played at Carolina, played on the World Series team in 89, and his dad's not very big. And I remember we offered Vance a scholarship, and then he shows up on our campus you know, when he does and he's six, you know, he's six, two. So some, some of that's just luck, but, um, you know, everybody can see his talent, but, um, you know, Vance is uh, mature beyond his, his years. Um, and you always worry about kids that have this kind of success early, right? What's it, what's it going to do to them? Um, how are they going to absorb it all? And, um, I don't think it's going to change Vance Honeycutt at all. I feel really, I feel really good about that going forward because the game, the game's going to humble you at, you know, at some point and uh, credit to him for his struggles that he's uh, playing his best baseball at the end of the year, but he's, he's quite a talent. He's like, it's like Chad said, he's going to be fun to watch for years to come. And interesting riff off of that in, in your career, you've got guys that have been great players, obviously. Did it matter if their parents 
and this is just me wondering, did it matter if their parents were athletes or successful athletes um, to how they reacted to success or failure? <laughs> did that did that make a difference from what you could see? Well, in, in recruiting now, you try to look at, I mean, you try to look at everything um, uh, as much as you can, especially how early these kids are, are you know, are committing. Uh, you try to gather as much, you know, intel, <laughs> you know, as, as you can on them. And, um, you know, uh, this, the story about Vance is that he got all his speed from his, from his mother, um, that his mother was a tremendous, tremendous athlete. Um, but yeah, as much as you possibly can, um, you know, it's, it's, some of it's about the parents' athletic background. Some of it's just about, you know, what kind of people they are and how they're, you know, how they've raised their, you know, their son. Chad, so you're not saying you had all those tools and I mean, I know you could hit them. Could you rob them? And take one away I mean, from Georgia like that? Would you need a ladder? You know, I, I, I need a ladder, and I'd probably need to be about six steps from the wall when he hit it. Um, <laughs> to get a bit. Like, like I said, he has about four and a half more tools than I ever had. So, uh, no, he he is such a fun 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 kid to watch. And, um, man, he is – not only is he talented, he is hot right now, and it's fun to watch. Chad, I'm not going to ask you for a full breakdown of, of Arkansas because uh, I don't know how much you've actually dived into it. But um, we know Arkansas comes from a great baseball league. I mean, just like UNC does with ACC, probably two best leagues in the in the country year after year. Um, just kind of in general, what do you think are some keys for, for this Carolina team going into this matchup? I think keep doing what they're doing. Um, going up with confidence. Um, Arkansas, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Um, there's going to be a little bit of everything that's going to happen in these in these games. They're they're, they're going to throw some really good arms at us, um, and they're obviously very talented with the success that they've had recently. Um, so I just think you just continue to doing what you're doing. Um, and and I will tell you, just as uh, as a as a when I was playing, you focus on that a little bit about who you're playing, but it, it, it's more about you than it is even them. The coaches are preparing you know, with scouting reports and knowing, you know, what what the tendencies are of the other team or the other players. But really, you're just kind of focused on your own game. You're, you know, I saw a video today of them taking back in practice and I think Vance Honeycutt was out there acting like a camel or something. I don't know what he was doing <laughs> when he was hopping around. But just you, you try to stay loose and just be yourself and, and enjoy, enjoy the moment, enjoy the atmosphere. The coaches are going to prepare – appropriately give us the right information to know about the team. But I, I'd tell you, it doesn't matter if the New York Yankees were coming in. We're going to show up there and we're going to play. We're going to play, you know, just as good as we would if it was somebody else. Hey, I was in Boschheimer Stadium when the Yankees actually came to town back in the 70s. And uh, I think Dave Winfield hit one off Aaron House out there against somebody. Coach Fox, um, analytics play such a huge um, role in the game and, and and you certainly, um, you know, used them a lot. How much does that matter when preparing for a team on like a week? I mean, you didn't know who you were playing until um, they closed out Oklahoma State. How much does the staff rely on that type stuff, getting prepared for this Arkansas that team that came in that, quite frankly, looked really good in their closeout win, but they've also looked really bad at times this season sort of, I guess, every team except Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, I think both teams have, you know, have gone through kind of similar similar journeys to get to this point. You know, the, the, the coaches, you know, all they've done, um, you know, even even before they probably recorded, 
hundreds and hundreds of games. There's a program out there now called Synergy where um, they're able to break down every pitcher, you know, every hitter, you know, from Arkansas for, you know, they can watch as many at bats on as many of their players as they, as, as they want to, would like to, and have, and have time to. Um, and, and, you know, there may be some tendencies on a couple of players. And I mean, we'll, we'll see that right out of the gate, you know, perhaps if it's an exaggerated, you know, shift on the infield with one or two of their players. I mean, they know, they're going to know which players in their lineup have, have not attempted a bunt, you know, the entire year. And you can see that as to where, you know, Max kind of play, you know, some of their players. So um, it does play a part. Um, again, you have to be, you have to be careful with all this analytic stuff, you know, paralysis by analysis. You've heard, you know, everybody's heard that term before. It really is just about, you know, trying to let the kids go out and play. Um, I, I do think, I do think the you know the biggest key in these games is is not to give you know not to give away you know free outs um, you know you got to limit the mistakes. I mean the game's about mistakes from the beginning to the end. Either a, you know either a ball or strike or a ball and play or a ball not out of play. You know just whatever it is. But you, you can't you're not going to be able, we're not going to be able to give them extra outs. They can't give us extra outs. Whoever whoever does that's probably not going to win the game. I think what's encouraging for me is just how well we're playing. Uh, defensively, um, uh, to me, our, our infield defense, I mean, our outfield defense is what it is. It's been sensational all year, but our infield defense, especially during the regionals, is really probably the best I've seen um, in a long time for a four or five game, I guess a five game series, how well our infielders play. So I think they've got to continue to play at that level. Let me ask you a random question. Guy goes four for five with a home run, two doubles, drives in three or four, or a pitcher goes seven innings and gives up two runs, which would you rather have? The pitcher that gives up two runs. That's the Thanks. name of the game. Yeah, that's what I it's was going to say. the name of the game. How important are Carolina's uh, – how, how important is this pitching staff? I never – and I said it when it happened. I never thought they'd hold VCU to seven runs, um, especially the way the game was going, especially the way the regional had gone. Uh, can you speak to this this pitching staff? I mean, they've been through it um, from starters on down to the last guy. Can you speak to what they were able to accomplish last weekend and what you expect them to do this weekend? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I talked to Coach Gaines, at, you know, after we won, and uh, I guess I'm okay to say this, that he was most excited that we went one, two, three in the ninth inning against VCU. We had an actual clean – one, two, three, ninth inning. So that's a pitching coach for you, right? Why don't you why don't you focus on the fact that you're playing in the super regionals? He's going, no, we had a clean ninth inning, one, two, three, and I don't think we gave up a home run. Um, so, you know, just a credit to Coach Gaines and those kids. Um, you know, they've stayed with it. Um, the preparation, and Chad mentioned it, this game is so much about confidence. Um, you know, Brandon Schaefer being able to pitch in, um, to, to some of their righties um, and, and not get them comfortable, you know, looking out over the plate. Um, Locklear and a couple of those guys that were so dangerous, I think, was the key. Um, and, again, starting pitching is always the key. And I think during that stretch of 19 or 20 games uh, where we were struggling so much, we weren't getting, you know, we weren't getting that good starting pitching. And that was, uh, you know, that was that was difficult to, over, to overcome. So, um, I think I think the key is going to be for certainly, you know, Brandon 
and Max Carlson to give us, you know, two really good starts in the first two games, give us a chance. All right. As we wrap up here, we would be remiss not to ask uh, an important question. And, and Mike, I mentioned earlier, there's some, some questions that I've wanted to ask you in the past <laughs> or in the season, but uh, you, your hands are a little bit tied. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with Chad. And then if you want to jump in, you can Chad, I don't know much baseball, at least in comparison to you and, and coach Fox. Uh, but I do know what seems to be a pretty obvious infield fly rule. And yet that was somehow botched. And then to make matters worse, they toss coach Ford for two games. Um, was there anything about that that was even close to being a right call? Hey, according to the rule, the rule book, it's to the discretion of the umpires, and there's a couple other things that go along with it. Hold on, are it's you running? Even, are you running for office? No, I'm not. And I'm going to say, <laughs> I think it, I thought it was a terrible call. To my discretion, it was a terrible call. Um, the reason why is that the the reason that rule is in place for exactly that. Um, <laughs> is to prevent from one of those things happening. And, um, but the whole situation was just handled terribly. Um, I'm, I can speak a little bit more freely than probably coach Fox, you know, can on this, but we, we all had discussions up there. I mean, they handled the whole weekend terribly. Um, they, they, they put their ego above the kids on the field and the coaches livelihood um, that, you know, it means every everything to them. These umpires have other jobs, et cetera, but their ego got in the way this weekend. And even after they, you know, um, they ejected him and announced the two game suspension, they still could have made it right. They could have went back to their hotel and said, you know what, this is the postseason. We shouldn't do this. This is a little, this is a little much and changed their mind. And they didn't. That right there tells me it's nothing but ego for them. And and they showed it all weekend. I, that's what ticks me off more than anything than 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 the missed call. The missed calls happen. It's it's it's, but it's when an umpire looks at you and says, "You know what? My bad." Or they look at it and say, "Hey, I'll look at it on film tonight and I'll let you know if I was wrong tomorrow." That type of reply is going to change the whole dynamic of that conversation because we know nobody's perfect, but they handled <laughs> it completely wrong. Um, I've seen so many situations where coaches have done much worse. Than what Coach Forbes did, you could read his lips. He's not saying anything bad. He's not attacking them in any way. He's kind of asking what's going on and basically telling them that they need to be better and they needed to be. And then they do that. So it was very, very frustrating between Coach Fox, myself, Coach Holbrook was up there. We were all fired up um, about the situation. So it it was definitely frustrating to watch. <laughs> and the explanation to the public and, and to us as the media. I mean, there's like no explanation. It didn't make any sense. Uh, Coach Foxes, you can address that as much as you want, but is there any recourse during the course of that time of the coaches or the programs being able to say, look, like we don't agree with this. Can we address this during the actual regional? There were, there were a lot of phone calls that were made, you know, behind the scenes um, <clears throat> to people of the NCAA that, you know, the, uh, the national coordinator of umpires, um, so there were a number of people uh, that were involved behind the scenes. Um, and as, as Chad said, it was unfortunate um, that number one, the call was made, you know, the infield fly rule. I've never liked it personally. We, we had that ex almost exact same play called against us at Florida State. I remember way back when, and I got ejected. 
and we were on the other side of it. Uh, the umpire called in field fly, and it was just barely a blooper over the pitcher's head. Second baseman, shortstop, both converged on the ball, but the ball never got more than probably maybe 12 feet, you know, off off the ground. Um, you know, the, the problem I have with it is that you're, the, the pitcher for them, you know, he makes a good pitch, right? He jams our hitter, so he should get rewarded for that, okay? So he got rewarded with one out. The infield fly rule, when it's they're rewarding them with two outs, and the whole the whole idea behind the infield fly rule is to protect you know the base runners because there's really nothing they you know they can do. Um, so you know it was unfortunate um, you know that it happened that way. I've, I've, unfortunately, I've I've kind of seen it before. Um, the, the NCAs they're they're a whole different game. Um, the the way they're run, um, you know, making Nick Pry, for example, you know, change his glove. Um, you know, he had pitched in that same glove two times in the regional. So it's one umpire deciding that he's going to enforce the color of the glove, you know, rule. Um, it's just, it's just silly. And you're getting four guys who, who come from all over the country. They don't know you. They don't know the coaches, but they should know, they should know where they are and, and what's at stake. And, um, you know, the umpire that, that, that did all this, I'm very familiar with him. Scott was familiar with him. Um, what happened and, you know, didn't surprise me quite honestly. I think what Chad said is the biggest thing for me. These guys are part-time officials and you guys are out there playing for your livelihoods because, because coaches get fired for losing games, you know, and some of those games may have been lost on bad calls. I think what's frustrating as, as a fan watching as somebody who's been involved in baseball forever and this is something we could talk about, but is the strike zone was like an amoeba up there. And it was just like, I mean, they were killing it. And and I think, was it Freak struck out on one that, you know, he could have bitten if he opened his mouth as it went by. I mean, it, that kind of thing is frustrating. Let me ask you last question before we get out of here, coach. Because uh, I think this is a big deal. Replay. Replay good for the game, bad for the game. Oh, wow. Um <laughs> Depends on the call, right? <laughs> um, well, if you're going to have replay, number one, put cameras. We, we need more cameras at Bosch Hammer. We need them down the line. While we only have six or seven plays that are reviewable, is silly to me. For example, you can't uh, you, you can't review a, a fair foul ball from the home plate to first base. If it hits the ground, uh, there were a couple of closed ones right during the regionals, went over the back and third. Those aren't reviewable. But if it's a fly ball over the third base or first base, it's reviewable, right? Whether it hit the, the foul line or not. Um, if, if we're going to have replay, then all plays, in my view, should be reviewable. Um, but it all depends on that guy behind the camera. When we first started having replay, you, you know, you got young kids behind the camera and you have to teach them. Um, I don't know how many times we reviewed a play early on when, when this started where the umpires would come back and say, we can't see it. You know, we can't see, we don't have a good, we don't have a good view of it. Now, I don't know whether that was, that was true or not, um, but it's not all equal. Um, I'm not asking your question because I really, I'm probably on the fence. Uh -huh. I'm probably on the fence about that. Um, uh, but I think if you're going to have replay, then it, it, you, you should have cameras everywhere where the umpires can see it and make the right call. And I'm all about length of play. I didn't care the first thing about how long the game was when I was in the dugout. Now that I'm a fan, 
um, the games need to be shorter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are some long baseball games. Uh, I think uh, some team, it may have been Arkansas, played like nine and a half hours of baseball on Saturday or something like that or on Sunday. That's just – that's ridiculous. I think – I agree with you on replay. It's all or nothing. And do they miss calls? Sure, they miss calls. But uh, if you're playing in Southwest Missouri State's stadium with two cameras, how do you treat that the same as if you're playing in one of these big colleges that have multiple cameras? It's just – it's brutal. Um Guys, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, I, I reached out to you, Chad, and shout out to Matt Clements for reaching out to you, Coach Fox, and getting it all together and for Greg Barnes. I just want to say I appreciate you guys taking time. We took far more time of y'all's time than I thought we would, and I apologize for that, but I do appreciate y'all coming. Hey, it's great. Thanks for having, Thanks for having me on. Well, we uh, – nice, nice to reminisce uh, with Coach on here, so <laughs> – yeah, when I talked to Coach Fox, I said, uh, Chad's joining. He was like, yes, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so it's cool. Uh, the relationships and the Carolina baseball family is just as strong as any of these Carolina families they talk about. It's been on the beat. It's been on the beat inside Carolinas.com's podcast. Johnny T-shirt sponsors, Greg Barnes, Chad Flack, and, of course, Coach Mike Fox have joined us. We appreciate everybody listening and watching. We'll be back next week.